Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Party time. Excellent. It's episode number 61 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most beloved Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as per usual is the mouth of the South, Liam O'Donnell. How are things, Liam? Well, you know what, Doug? Tomorrow is the Exhume Films 24 hour horathon. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm stoked on that. That's exciting. That makes life more interesting. Liam, have you attended a 24 hour horror marathon in the past? This will be, I believe, my sixth. Wow. year there maybe my seventh year there i'm not sure i gotta i would have to go back and figure it out they've been doing it i believe for 10 oh i shouldn't say that because people who care about this sort of thing mm-hmm. keep a very mm-hmm. strict record. but they've been an organization for 20 years this is their 20th anniversary liam when you tell your wife and infant child that you're going to be leaving them for 24 hours to watch horror movies what are their reaction um you know uh i think my wife is horrified and disappointed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my baby just poops, and that's fine. All right. What are some of the movies being shown at this horror or is it a, a mystery? You don't get to know, Doug. Every year is a surprise. You have no idea. Well, I think that's very exciting. I used to attend a, uh, a, a series of all-night uh, movie marathons out in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. They were called the Shock and Awe Film Festival. And they were that you would know a collection of the maybe four or five of the six movies being shown. And then one was a secret movie and you weren't allowed to tell anyone about it, Liam. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty great. Um, I've definitely, um, let's, I won't say which organization I may have already mentioned did this, but I've been to a number of illicit screenings of Star Wars films on film that should not exist. Yeah, and not just one or two either. Well, I once uh, took my wife to one of these all-night movie things, and uh, needless to say, she fucking hated it. (laughs) She could not have enjoyed it less. She thought everyone who was there was stupid, and the biggest stupid of all was me. Uh, for dragging her along. I should mention, by the way, at that at 3 a.m. Uh, at this fe- particular festival, they showed a pornographic movie from 1970. Well, um, Suze has never been with me to the Harathon because she hates horror and uh-huh. being afraid. But she has been with to me with me to their 12-hour fest, which is X-Fest, which is all exploitation films. And she very much enjoys that. But a few years in a row, they have also ended with a porn. So we usually leave uh, either before or during the last movie. Because of your delicate sensibilities. No, because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Gums, but it's not good. Well, it, uh, were all the movies good? Is that the whole point, to watch good movies? Um, honestly, all right, shut a up. lot of them all are right, fact, shut, very Liam, good. Liam, shh. Oh. Our guest today is a writer, copy editor, and podcaster. You can find her work on the Vincent Price's Laugh and Got Me a Movie podcast. It's LB Bargeron. How are you doing, LB? Hi, Doug. I'm great. Um, you know, I kind of feel like less of a podcast guest right now than a game show contestant. Why do you feel that way? 
I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'm going to win something. Am I going to win something? Look, anyone who's on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast are automatically a winner because they get to spend the next 90 minutes talking about Eric Roberts, the actor. Yeah, okay. Are you a fan, LB, of Eric Roberts, the actor? You know, um, I'm going to be honest Please. here. <laughs> I have not spent a lot of time with Eric Roberts or his filmography I haven't seen his, uh, I don't know, do, do you say good, good movies? Boy, you know what? It feels like you're, you're copping a little attitude towards the filmography of Eric Roberts right now. But <laughs> I, I feel like really. you're just being facetious because you really are just having a little bit of fun with me and Liam right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that, that's really more like it. But no, I really haven't seen a lot of his films. And um, I'm sorry. No, you don't need to apologize. This is supposed to be... I feel bad. No, no. Uh, look, there's lots of people who listen to our podcast who don't spend as much time in their lives watching Eric Roberts' projects as Liam and I do. We are here to introduce them to the best of the best. Not just the movie, the best of the best, but also other movies <laughs> in his filmography that would fit that category. And Also you, the worst of the worst. Also the worst of the worst, which does... <laughs> that's also been known to happen. But this is really exciting. We have uh, uh, an Eric Roberts, forgive the term, novice... And uh, you can yes. come along with us and you can – you can. Uh, it's almost – look, if it was up to me, the biggest dream would be to experience Eric Roberts for the first time once oh, again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, you, then I feel, I feel very lucky now. LB, what's a copy editor do? Oh, um, I read articles that people have written mm-hmm. and I go, no, this part sucks. This part sucks. No, this part sucks. And then I change them and make their articles better and readable. It's like you're the god of the written word, right? Because you're taking something and you're like, I can decide what's good. I can decide what's Mm -hmm. bad. I can slice it out. It sounds like uh, you would also be a very good editor for podcasts. Do you edit your own podcasts? I do not. Um, Andrew, my partner in life and podcasting, he Mm -hmm. does all the editing. Now, that's interesting. You podcast with your life partner. What's what's the most frustrating mm-hmm. part of that? Uh, well, we bicker a lot, actually. Or, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to get too personal with, with my personal life, but... Um, no, no, yeah, please. We fight. We do. That's okay. But it, it's out of love. Of of course. Course. Look, I'm, not, I'm certainly not trying to accuse... You of anything. I once tried to record a podcast. In fact, my own wife was on this podcast on the same uh, episode that Liam's wife was on. And Liam, that was a lot of fun, oh. don't you think? Yeah, but I think it um, it, it highlighted that uh, you and Jill have a certain chemistry, and that chemistry mm-hmm. could be described as volatile. Yeah, I once <laughs> – my wife and I once came up with an idea um, – uh, for a podcast and we recorded a single episode of it and never released it because there's a lot of that volatility that Liam was just mentioning. <laughs> My wife didn't experience a lot of um, popular culture that you and I might see as as common when she was growing up. She never saw like Raiders of the Lost Ark or Star Wars or any of these kind of big summer movies. And she also didn't experience like common video games or, or a lot of literature or comic books, just the sort of pop culture that I spend a lot of my youth experiencing. So I thought it would be fun to re- do a podcast where I would talk to her about what her thoughts about a certain piece of pop culture were, then have her experience it, and then talk to her afterwards. And on the first episode, we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then we played like, like 45 minutes of the original Legend of Zelda on the Nintendo. And uh, by the time we finished recording the whole episode... I knew I never wanted to record another one. <laughs> we just fought. Bit- like, just hearing someone that you love 
tear into Raiders of the Lost Ark and call it like a piece of shit. It was just a really difficult experience to me. Liam, is it a good is it good do you think to have different interests than your partner in life? Yeah, I actually think that's super healthy. Um I think um sometimes what can be different interests is actually uh, a chasm between mm-hmm. the two of you <laughs> over which I'm not sure you could even cross. But for most people, yeah, it's really healthy. Okay. Well, I'm glad that to get that opinion from you, Liam. Uh, you know, Roger Ebert said, I believe it's a very famous quote of his, that if you, uh, if the person that you fall in love with doesn't share your interest, then your relationship is doomed. So you don't believe that, Liam? No, I mean, I think it's good for you to have some similar interests. Sure. But I think for someone like Roger Ebert, he made his life off of his interest. So it's easier for him to make that claim. But for many other people, they connect with someone on a emotional level, on a physical level, or even like what uh, they find um, engaging is something in the other person, something inspiring. So I think interest, it's really just about your commitment level to that interest is going to affect how important it is to you. Um, I mean, me personally, me and Suze do share a lot of interests, but mm-hmm. there's also things that I've brought into her life that she had no idea about. Absolutely. And she's brought into my life I had no idea about. Hey, Liam, do you know what Roger Ebert was passionate about? Uh, I believe it was macrame. Oh. <laughs> you did a funny answer, and I was going to do a serious answer. The answer... <laughs> Is boobs. He loved boobs. Oh, yeah, that's true. He does love boobs. He did. That's why he wrote Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and was a good Mm -hmm. friend of Russ Myers. Mm -hmm. So obviously he enjoyed that. Elby, what's your favorite Eric Roberts movie? You know, uh, it's, I got to say, Spun. Spun? Hey, that's a great answer. That's a unique one. I hear the same ones over and over again. What do you love about Uh Spun? Well, okay, so the other thing is I don't really like Spun. Uh Uh-huh. So... Um, well, I mean, I do, I appreciate for sure. what it is, you know, but like, it's, it's this awful story about these people who are obviously disturbed. And I, I, I don't know if I can really identify with that too much. I mean, I'm not into methamphetamine or anything. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, I mean, it's obviously interesting, right? Sure. I, I found that a very interesting movie and I like that Jason Schwartzman. What do you think about Jason Schwartzman, LB? Uh, Little cutie Jason Schwartzman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah, he's cool. He's pretty cool. Uh, Liam, agree? Disagree? <laughs> uh, I hate that I love him. All right. Well, that's oh. fair. That's fair enough. Hey, uh, you know, before we move on to the Roberts Report, Liam, your thoughts on Rushmore, thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, I mean, uh, one of the, again, more mm-hmm. embarrassing things about me as a yeah. person yeah. is that I there is, in fact, no Wes Anderson movie I do not enjoy. Interesting. You oh. know what? You know what my wife hates? Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but we'll talk about anything but Wes Anderson movies on the latest Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 61 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Back on October 26th, Eric Roberts uh, tweeted, In nature, are all stars permitted to shine? Question mark. As for seeing them shine, I suppose it depends on your perspective where you're looking from. LB, agree or disagree? I agree. That that's very poetic. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Liam, are all stars uh, permitted to shine? Yes. Okay. 
Care to elaborate? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you think he's trying to say here, Liam? Um. Uh-huh. <laughs> I literally have no idea. No, that's not true. I, 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 okay. I think he's saying that we all shine in our own way, and it's just a matter of perspective. It's not that um, just that some stars shine brighter than others. Sure. In other words, he's referencing his sister. Yet again, oh, you think he's so? talking about Julia. Yes, yes. Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. LB, uh, there's a song by John Lennon that goes, Instant Karma's Gonna Get You. Do you believe in instant karma, LB? Uh, I believe in karma in the long run. I don't sure. know about instant karma. You don't think that uh, sometimes when people uh, do terrible things, that uh, their retribution does not happen until a ways down the road. You don't think it's necessarily going to hit them right in the face, as John Lennon said. That's right. I believe that anything that happens right away is probably coincidence. But um, later on, it's like it's like karma is going to get you when you least expect it. On October 23rd, Eric Roberts wrote, his very existence is the bane of mine. Now, uh, I wish I could give greater context on this tweet. I did search the mm-hmm. tweets around it. It was not not a follow-up to anything, and it did not follow something where it was referring to something else. Liam, who do you think he's referring to here? I want to believe the best of Eric Roberts, so I'm mm-hmm. going to say Donald Trump. That. You know what? I, I, I have to say he was probably the first – you know what? I'll say the first or second name that came to mind. Elby, any thoughts? I know, of course, mm-hmm. you probably don't have a lot of familiarity with the Eric Roberts Twitter feed, but who do you think he might be referring to? Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it is Trump. Could be Trump. I mean, honestly, when I, I think about Trump, his existence is certainly one of the banes of mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also thought he might have been referring to Harvey Weinstein, who's been in the news lately, oh. as being a complete piece of garbage. Don't you think, Liam? That's true. Um, I don't know. Again, uh, funny enough, there's no context here. I I suspect that Eric Roberts intended to quote something or to link to something and then (laughs) merely forgot. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, it's just – it's sitting there on October 23rd. Uh, If you have any thoughts on what Eric Roberts might be talking about there, please uh, email us over at the ericrobertsistheman.com website. Eliam, before we get to the next news break uh, item, we should probably talk just briefly about the fact that this is our – Last episode before we get to talk to the man himself. I, I know it's kind of crazy. It's very very exciting. I've I've run I ran into several people this past week where I say you know I'm going to Chicago soon and they're like oh yeah what for <laughs> and, and I tell them I'm going to be interviewing uh and then I have to explain the whole thing and then they're like Who, who's Eric Roberts <laughs> and it happens to me again and again and again Liam but I'm still very excited now for uh, people who have not been listening to a lot of recent episodes Liam and I are doing a live episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man in Chicago at the Music Box Theater for the Cinepocalypse Film Festival isn't that right Liam Yep and what day is that taking place on that we're going to be recording uh Sunday, November 5th. Sunday, November 5th at noon at the Music Box Theater. If you are in Chicago or the surrounding areas or you just want to see a lot of great, amazing movies, including uh, the restored Suspiria is going to be showing there with Jessica Harper in attendance. Larry Cohen oh. will be there, the, the amazing director. All sorts of premieres. Uh, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the movie Low Life, which will be premiering on the 4th, uh, the night before the Eric Roberts thing. I'm actually going to try to get to that because I saw it at the uh, uh, screener of it at the Fantastic. 
Fantasia Film Festival this year, and that movie is fucking amazing. Uh, but yeah, if you're in the area, why don't you come join us as we talk to Eric Roberts and potentially embarrass ourselves? Isn't that right, Liam? It's true. Uh, there's a good chance that we will go down in flames. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> wife said to me today, she, she said, if it goes really well, you should stop doing the podcast. And if it goes really badly, you have to stop doing the podcast. Oh. LB, are you excited about us talking to Eric Roberts? I am absolutely excited for you guys. That's amazing news. If you had to ask Eric Roberts, now you've experienced some of his work for this mm-hmm. podcast. If you had to ask him one question, what would it be? Oh, I would probably ask him uh, about his haircut. He does have a, a pretty distinctive haircut. In fact, a variety mm-hmm. of them over the years. What What do you like about Eric Roberts' hair? He Okay, so it looks soft to begin with. Mm-hmm. I, I really like men with soft-looking hair. Ooh. But <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a classic haircut, man. Like, it, like it's, it's any style. He's a chameleon with his hair. In one film that we watched, that Liam and I watched for this podcast, he was sporting some dreadlocks. What? Yeah, and like really tightly, uh, really tight dreadlocks right up against his scalp. Liam, do you remember that, uh, that haircut? Yeah, which film was that for? I think, well, I think he actually sported it in two films. Uh, I remember it was the one with John Ritter. Remember, he was like some sort of thief in it. Um, I remember it had it had a very generic title like Trip Fall or Trip. I believe Wire. it was Trip Fall. Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. not bad, Doug. <laughs> Pretty good memory, huh? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those '90s. It, that was like a late '90s, early 2000s, John. Right? Yeah, that's right. Before yeah, John a lot Ritter of, died. A lot of those. A lot of those kind of run together. He did a lot of these actioners that you know aren't necessarily bad but they're they're very similar to each other we have some uh uh gossipy news here on the eric roberts mm. is the fucking man podcast i don't like that uh we don't we don't, we don't usually trade in that sort of nonsense here but the, the probably the biggest news story of the past week involving eric roberts appeared on the new york daily news which involved a story about eric roberts uh after filming for the day stopping at a 7-eleven to use the facilities and being denied by the employee there. Um, Liam, I'm sure you've taken a look at this story now. What do you think about it? Do you think that it's it, this is it's kind of trash journalism? As I like to call it, this is something I've coined myself, I call it fake news. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've often heard you use that term, uh-huh. um, unfortunately, for things uh, like facts about food and sure. mm-hmm. the history of Canada and all that, that sort of stuff. But in this case, I, I don't know that it's fake news, but it is the sort of thing like, you know, Eric Roberts is having a bad day. Um, things are not going his way. And unfortunately, he let it he let it get to him. Now, I'm sure there. Well, OK, I've never been in a situation exactly like this, but I've sure. definitely had situations where I probably was ruder than I needed to be. You know, mm-hmm. for example, uh, the cell phone company. I've probably yelled at more than a few people at this cell phone company or, oh, uh, even worse, health insurance companies. I oh. I have mistreated someone whose fault it is not mm. at least a couple times. But the thing is, is I'm not famous, so no one gets to read about when I was an asshole. And I think that's that's a bummer for me with this kind of news is that, you know, he, he didn't he didn't do anything too extreme. He just made a fool of himself, and we got to read about it. And yeah. and I don't I don't appreciate that. I, I, just to elaborate on the story a little bit, he had to stop at a seven. He had his basically his driver stop at a Seven Eleven to use the uh, bathroom. And when when he was refused, he made a, a, a I would suggest a minor scene. Uh, and someone in the Seven Eleven apparently recognized him, and he tried to use that as 
uh, I guess, an impetus to the person to say, look, I'm Eric Roberts. Let me use the bathroom. And then uh, he yelled at the guy when he wouldn't. He went out to the parking lot. And I guess the 7-Eleven employee followed him. And then the um, the driver of the car threatened the 7-Eleven employee. It sounds like it's a little much ado about nothing. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I guess it was enough news to appear in the New York, New York Daily News. LB, what is your impression of Eric Roberts after reading this story? Um, I don't believe that that's a true story. Like, I I can't possibly believe that that's a true story. (laughs) That doesn't seem like something that could happen in real life? No. I mean, um, first of all, like, uh, 7-Eleven bathrooms aren't just for employees. Mm -hmm. So that guy's lying. I I think maybe he just has a personal vendetta against Eric Roberts. I like the way you think, LB. And I'm going to go with that that point of view on the subject matter. We're going to dismiss it. We're not going to be thinking about that story anymore. What we are going to be thinking about is the Hollywood Music and Media Awards, which announced its nominees over the past week. This is some sort of award show, uh, I guess, for Hollywood Music and Media. Uh, and it is taking place in Hollywood. Um, it is, yeah, it's very exciting. On Thursday, November 16th, 2017. So I guess Eric Roberts will be leaving Chicago and then chilling out for a couple of weeks and then going to the Hollywood Music and Media Awards, where he'll be... Uh, presenting one of the awards. Now, uh, LB, do you like Hollywood music and media? I love it. Thank what you ki- for asking. What kind of music do you enjoy, LB? Are you a big punk rocker like Liam? <laughs> no, not at all. No? What What uh, do you enjoy? Uh, well, I like... Uh, I don't know how to answer that. Okay. You know what? I like that you can't answer it because nobody should say, I just like this or this or this. Right, we, the yeah. world. There's so much music out there. Why, why pinhole ourselves? Why, why say that I only listen to hardcore punk music or um, and and put X's on my hands because I'm straight edge? I mean, it seems <laughs> kind of ridiculous to even say it out loud, right? You should not limit yourself. Liam, do you agree? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. I have a I have a very diverse taste in music. Actually, you like uh, Soul Asylum? <laughs> I actually do. I really love Soul Asylum. They're uh-huh. really good. Mm-hmm. They're really good. Yeah, no, I know. I, I don't want know why you sound so defensive when I talk about your love of Soul Asylum and early Goo Goo Dolls records. Um, I really only kind of like the first Goo Goo. I think the I like the first Goo Goo Dolls record because it's weird that it is the Goo Goo Dolls. Like, I think that's the appeal of that record. I mean, I, it's good, but I think it's weird. Oh, it's, it's a little weird. It's not that weird. My, they my, just switch songwriters. Oh, well, there you go. That explains it. My wife is from Buffalo, which is where the uh, Goo Goo Dolls are from. And back in Buffalo, they refer to them as the hometown goos. What do you think about that, Liam? (laughs) That is very embarrassing. Recently (laughs) added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is the 2017 thriller Never Saw It Coming from director Gail Harvey, a prolific uh, television director who has helmed episodes of Murdoch Mysteries and Republic of Doyleum and other popular series that you have never heard of unless you live in Canada like I do. Both of those series, by the way, like Murdoch Mysteries is something like on its eighth or ninth season. Republic of Doyle, which was filmed in uh, Newfoundland, which is where I'm from, that lasted for like eight seasons, was hugely popular. Russell Crowe appeared on it. It, it, like, these are semi-phenomenons here in this country. You, I guarantee neither of you have ever heard of those two shows. No. No. Liam? No. No, I want to pretend like I have. But... I know. Then I would have asked you questions that you would have to pretend to know the answer to. But the fact is, <laughs> I've never watched any episodes of them either. <laughs> so the questions would be fake. <laughs> 
It's all right, Liam. Silence is our friend here on Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually mentioned this project. I uh, never saw it coming in the past when it was first announced. Uh, it features Emily Hampshire from the uh, 12 Monkeys TV series, as well as Eric Roberts as a character named Wendell Garfield. And he plays uh, the husband of a missing woman whose disappearance is investigated by a psychic played by Emily Hampshire. Uh, LB, do you believe in psychic powers? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Uh, you don't have to elaborate, but I will say that it does <laughs> It does suggest to me a lot of questions I want to ask you. Uh, ask away. Okay. So do you believe that some people have uh, a, a, an extra sensory perception that allows them to communicate with the dead? Um, not so much like communicate. I, I don't know. So I, I feel like it's more of a feeling than like actually talking to or communicating with like I feel like there's like a presence around you that you can glean um certain feelings from okay but I I yeah I don't know I mean who knows really I mean who knows that's exactly right Liam do you know yes I know okay and what is the answer I I can't tell you that would be highly inappropriate you couldn't tell me specifically? Yeah. I mean, that's literally the one rule is not to tell you. Oh, can right. you well, tell me? Yeah, can you tell LB? I'll, I'm going to plug my ears and you just let her know, okay? <laughs> I'll tell you later. Oh, oh right. okay. Okay. Right. Before we take our first break, LB needs to tell us what we watched for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. What did we watch, LB? What did you make us watch, I should say? <laughs> what did I pick? What did, what did I get us into? Uh-huh. Okay, uh, we watched a television series called Dead Time Stories from, <laughs> what, the mid-90s? Is that right? No, no, the year 2013. What? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a children's television series. It's like an anthology series with horrific tone. Yeah, very horrific. <laughs> and what else? What else did we watch? We watched a film. It's a biopic. It. I always don't know if I'm saying that right. Is it biopic or biopic? Well, I'll tell you what. The first way that you said it was not correct. <laughs> 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 and I imagine there's at least a few listeners who knew it as soon as you said it. <laughs> it's a biographical picture. So let's say biopic. Okay. Biopic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just forgot what it's called. Um, Lovelace. Lovelace about... The- about- Yes, please. About the life about the life of pornographic actress Linda Lovelace. So, uh, children's entertainment all the way around here yes. on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Curiously enough, LB, that film okay. Lovelace is also from the year 2013. So it's all 2013 oh. on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We're gonna take our first break. When we return, we're gonna talk about Dead Time Stories, season one, episode three. It aired on October 31st, 2013. This episode is called, uh, boy, I had it here in front of me a second ago. It's Little Little Magic Shop of Horrors. The Little Magic Shop of Horrors. And we're going to talk about that right after this.
Best friends Peter and Bo buy a magic kit from a mysterious magic shop in order to win the school's talent competition. However, they learn their tricks are real and can't be undone, putting their friends and classmates in danger. It's the Little Magic Shop of Horrors episode of Dead Time Stories, an anthology children's show, uh, very much in the mold of Are You Afraid of the Dark or Goosebumps, if you're familiar with those kind of programs. This episode is directed by David Hillenbrand, who co-directed the film National Lampoon's Dorm Days <laughs> many years back, as well as the film King Cobra in 1999, which featured Pat Morita from the Karate Kid films, Eric Estrada from Chips, Hoyt Axton, uh, the the composer of Joy to the World. Do you know that song, Liam? Yes. Could you sing the very beginning of that song? Uh, no. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. That's how it goes, right? Yeah, that sounds right. As well as Courtney Gaines. Uh, but this is Dead Time Stories. Uh, and before we get into what you guys thought of this particular episode of this show, which I did not know existed... Uh, I first want to get your thoughts kind of generally on this idea of children's horror anthologies. Now, of course, there's a lot of horror anthology and science fiction anthology and sort of general anthology program that has existed. Tales from the Crypt, Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, that sort of thing. But in terms of children's entertainment, it seems like people have a lot of nostalgia for those goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark type yeah. series. Elby, did you grow up watching this sort of programming? Um, I definitely watched Are You Afraid of the Dark and my mom made fun of me for it. Why did she make fun of you? I mean, it seems like a very uh, very natural thing to watch. Well, okay, so I would be watching it, and, you know, the, the intro of the show comes on, and then the credits roll, and then at the, the title frame, it says, Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know, and mm-hmm. there's that candle. Uh, my mom would look at the TV, and she would look at me, and she'd be like, Yeah, you are. Oh, my like, goodness. Yeah. But, I mean, she was being you know fun but <laughs> but i was a little i was a little like scaredy shit kid i really yeah. was well i was a scaredy shit kid as well believe me i can relate here's something that might um might relieve some of your scaredy shits one of the children who uh were the stars of are you afraid of the dark i guess they were part of some sort of club that would get together and tell spooky stories as one uh-huh. does one of them mm-hmm. was kind of a nerdy guy with glasses do you remember this guy lb uh, yeah, he had like wireframe glasses. Wireframe glasses. Well, yeah. that actor, because Are You Afraid of the Dark was Canadian, he later became a meteorologist and became one of the lead meteorologists on the Weather Network here in Canada. Wow. I know. This is the kind of fun facts that you only get on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Liam, did you grow up watching these sort of anthology television series? No, I mean, I, I did watch a little bit of um, Are You Afraid of the Dark, but I was a little old for it. Sure. I, I, I just liked it because it was another scary thing. But when I was a lot younger, I did watch Tales from the Dark Side pretty religiously. Now, mm. have you returned to Tales from the Dark Side in your older years, Liam? Only a couple episodes because it's on Shudder. And they weren't great. And then I think we talked about this the last time we watched an anthology TV show for sure. Eric Roberts as the fucking man. And you told me that the that there it doesn't hold up. Well, it's particularly like after the first couple of seasons, the budget went down a lot. So it it, it seems sure. it's a really cheap seeming show. Tales from the Crypt, I think, is a lot more consistent. But of course, mm-hmm. those stories are a lot more. Yeah, I mean, they're they're designed to be very predictable. I love Tales from the Crypt, but uh, but that's also not children's programming. I think maybe T- Tales from the Dark Side is a little more appropriate for you know your your early teen person. Yeah, I was probably about six or seven. 
when I was kind of obsessed with Tales from the Dark Side. Liam, what's um, the first movie that you recall scaring you? The very first? Mm-hmm. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, when did you see Ooh. that? What what age were you? Second grade. How old are you in second grade? Uh, young. Too young to be watching Nightmare on Elm Street, I would say. <laughs> uh, well, you would say wrong because it uh, was the best and it, you know, it helped shape my life. So I feel good about it. Is that why you have that glove with the knives on it? <laughs> you hang I around mean, the school? I mean, I will say, like, I saw it in second grade. It didn't take long for me to convince my friends that they should also watch it. So by, like, third grade, we were, like, walking around doing Freddy things in, like, the school. <laughs> like, we would be, like, like, I'd see my friend, and then I'd, like, reach out and drag my fingers along the wall like it was, like, the glove. And uh-huh. they thought that was the best thing ever. All right. I got to be honest. That does sound pretty awesome. Uh, LB, <laughs> LB, what's the first film that you remember terrifying you? Uh, I watched Poltergeist as a child. Oh, it's only rated PG, so why not watch it? Yeah, exactly. And does it still scare you? Does it hold up for you? No, I actually don't really like it now. I, <laughs> I have It has a special place in my heart. It really does. But I, yeah, it's... Uh, sorry, everybody. I, I know everybody really loves Poltergeist, but... Eh. Eh, I don't, I don't eh. care. I don't care about Poltergeist. You know what used to scare me when I was a child, Liam and LB? It was the music video for Thriller by Michael Jackson, which, oh. which seemed to be on constantly throughout the entire decade of the 1980s and would freak me out, like, seriously. I had a book about Michael Jackson, like a, a, a young person's book, like a, a book for someone who's like seven or eight years old. And that book had a picture of the zombies dancing on the inside <laughs> fold, and I couldn't look at the picture because I was such a... Uh, a scaredy cat. What do you think, LB? Well, okay, yeah, I can sort of relate to that. When I was a child, I went to a daycare, and every day we had exercise time, and we had a certain, you know, we had a um, like a box of cassettes mm-hmm. that they would they would put on for us to do our exercises too, and we got to pick whatever one, and you know, it was mostly lame stuff like Rock and Robin or whatever. Um, <laughs> But they had a cassette of Thriller, and the older kids would always put on Thriller. And when the song Thriller would come on, they would start chasing us around the daycare with, you know, you know um, zombie fingers and stuff. Right? <laughs> so I, I can kind of relate to being scared of Thriller. Well, I appreciate you being so sympathetic to me being a, such a scaredy cat. Did you find, <laughs> LB, this particular episode of Dead Time Sto- Stories uh, very frightening? No, not at all. Did you find it very entertaining? Somewhat. How so? Well, there is uh, well, there's some curiosities going on with this. Um, first of all, I'm not really sure why the janitor is the authoritarian in this school. Mm-hmm. That's strange to me. Um, the the child's grandmother is really interesting. Um, Played by the great Sally Kellerman from yeah. the Mash. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Hot lips. Hot lips. Hulahan. There we go. Um, <laughs> there's uh, there's a little bit of macabre in this. There's um, gore without gore. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's also a giant pile of uh, shit. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. That that's very curious. <laughs> that happens when these children accidentally turn a cat into a uh, a giant uh, tiger, and then that, mm-hmm. that tiger. Uh, it's impli- it's uh, it's suggested, I should say, that the tiger then eats a neighbor's dog. Mm, a Great Dane. A Great Dane, which is – that's a large dog. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then poops it out into uh, a litter box, which is supposed to be a, a clever, fun visual. Liam, did you have a good time with dead time stories? Mm, no. Now, why is that, Liam? <laughs> um, I find this kind of children's entertainment particularly jarring. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the 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 way that they encourage the kids to act, the editing of it, the um. I don't know. There's just uh, there's nothing about it that's particularly appealing to me as opposed to say, again, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I felt like with um, Are You Afraid of the Dark, even though it was for kids, it 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 was slightly more put together. There was some, you know, a little bit of creepiness to it. This this makes um, this makes Uncle Grandpa seem sophisticated. Now, what is this Uncle Grandpa you refer to? Uh, It's a Cartoon Network show. It's goofy and fun. Uh, I see. I'm I'm not down with a lot of the children's programming. I will say that uh, what you were referring to there, Liam, the the quality of this show and the production values is very low, and the, and the quality of the acting from the children is really low. Like it's very hammy, very kind of high school play, not high school play, like elementary school play level. Um, mm-hmm. And and but there is a mixture of some familiar faces here, uh, compared to something like a Goosebumps episode or an, or an Are You Afraid of the Dark. Where my understanding is that a lot of people have nostalgia for those and actually were creeped out by some of them. I just mm-hmm. can't see anyone being creeped out by the subject matter here. There is some weirdness, as you suggested, LB. Like a child gets its head cut off and then his head actually falls off in a later scene. And then they have yeah. to go to a janitor who then, I guess, undoes some of the magic or has the ability to do that as long as they have a magical amulet. But they mm-hmm. can't get the amulet because, unfortunately... Their uh, crazy grandmother has it, and she uses that to get transported onto an American Gladiators-esque show. Yes. When I say that out loud, LB, it makes me sound like a maniac. It sounds sort of like a nightmare, actually. How so? Well, it's, you know, what Liam was saying about how it's 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 really kind of surreal, actually. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like it would be someone's personal hell. And I think maybe it could be Liam's personal hell to be trapped in a show like that. Is that oh, true, Liam? For sure, yes, 100%. Why? Because of the children? Because you hate children. That's why you <laughs> like to pretend to be Freddy Krueger. Yeah, that all makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I... Uh, uh, th- yeah, I... It's hard for me to put my finger on what exactly it is, but there's something about the way the show is put together that really bums me out. It's very broad. Like, everything is very broad. There's never any real yeah. sense of danger here. And everyone's playing it not just like a wink to the camera, but very much like, I'm a crazy old lady, so watch me. You know, I got to walk around and talk like a crazy old lady. And I burnt <laughs> the thing I was making in the oven. That sort of kind of nonsense. I, I think it's also yeah. the way that the kids talk to each other. They're yeah. always... Every sentence is like they're delivering a punchline. Right. Yeah. Yeah, not, I can't not believe funny. it. He's really going to kill us. Yeah, we'll be dead tomorrow. Okay, Tom. Yeah, we'll do the thing. Oh, Grandma, you're crazy. And I just, it's the, the tone of it and the lack of any, I, I guess what it, what I really feel like is that at, at a certain point, and again, you might be totally right. This is mm-hmm. nostalgia. No, you know what? I won't even say it's nostalgia because I didn't really have Nickelodeon until I was not a kid anymore. Okay. But occasionally there would be shows on there I thought were interesting. And what made them for children is that they didn't have death or they were uplifting or they sure. were particularly whimsical. But they were still done with some amount of quality. And I feel like there's a certain amount of 
newer programming coming out on Nickelodeon and other channels, especially some of the like uh, ABC children and whatever other the the real young Disney channels like the fucking worst. Sure. That seems to be like what what makes it children's programming is that it's dumb. And so if it's loud and dumb and poorly executed, then it's for children. As opposed to if it's whimsical and hopeful and encourages you to love life, then it's for children. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I mean, it's an interesting point of view. I, I, I don't have enough experience with uh, a television for young people to be able to confirm or deny what you just said, Liam. But I have seen, you know, some of those Disney Disney style sitcoms like the the Sweet Life of Zack and like that. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Those kind of sitcoms that they make, which are played very very broad. But then again, they remind me very much of the kind of terrible sitcoms I grew up watching, which didn't really have much quality to them either. Are you referring to Small Wonder? Uh, Small Wonder. I did grow up watching Small Wonder, but really also the the entire TGIF lineup, I would say, is suspect in terms of its quality, including, yes, the (laughs) beloved Step by Step. Oh, oh yeah. All those shows were bad. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. What I'm really trying to get at, Liam, is that everything is bad. And uh, (laughs) there's really no hope when it comes to children's programming. So this show, this episode of this uh, show, includes the actor Eric Roberts in it. Uh, in what I would re- describe as a limited role, Liam, who does he play in this uh, in this uh, episode? He's the host of our. Uh, what what is the actual name of this? I think it's something American like Global Life. Gladiator, something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, yeah, global sure, definitely. Sure, sure. He's our he's our uh, he's our chatty host, which is really strange. Uh, he's not credited correctly. That's right. Well, he's credited in the IMDb credits as uh, playing. Crazy Merlin. I guess that would have been the guy who owns the magic shop. But mm-hmm. he, he does not play that character at all. He instead shows up for literally 10 seconds as the host of this global gladiator program. First, they have him like at the halfway mark of the, pro- of the uh, episode. He shows up for just a second. And at the, at the end, he's interviewing Sally Kellerman, who has used her magic ability to transfer herself into the show. Liam, quick question to you. Is Sally Kellerman then murdered by one of the global gladiators? I would assume, or at least has tennis balls shot at her. I thought that's what gladiators did was shoot they, tennis balls. They do shoot <laughs> tennis balls, and, and that is – or then they also hit each other with giant Q-tip-esque uh, – uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. I mean, and Sally Kellerman is, is – she's getting up there, I shall say. And uh, I think I think the, the IMDb credits for the show are off altogether because according to Amazon, this is episode 10 oh. of, this, of this season, not episode 3. All right. Well, that's, that's fair enough. Now – Eric Roberts does not appear for very long, LB, in this episode. No, but what no, did sir. you what did you think of his performance here? I believed it. I really believed him as a game show host. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's all you can really say about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing really in depth to go. You know, you know like uh, I wonder if he and Sally Kellerman got along. Now, is there any reason for us to think that they don't get along? Well, no, but. You know, I just always wonder. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing to wonder. Liam, do you think they got along? Yeah, I imagine so. What did you think of Eric Roberts in this episode, Liam? You know, it's it's yet another performance from him in which there's not much there. So it's it's a difficult to evaluate. However, <laughs> um, if you're going to get paid, I do kind of like showing up in the children's show because um, – it's not a prestige show up. 
You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. It, it, it's not like, a, hey, I'm Eric Garber. It's like none of the kids are going to go know who you are. And, you know, some of the parents are. But, but you know, it's just him doing this funny, goofy thing. I kind of appreciate that about it, even if it's a very short appearance. It is very short. I mean, it's kind of strange, don't you think? Uh, simply because... Why th- this has happened to us a few times on the show, Liam, where it's like, why is Eric Roberts there doing this? <laughs> he does seem like the actor who kind of should have been playing Crazy Merlin, you know, just to, because he's on certainly on the same level as Sally Kellerman in terms of fame, which I know is not really, really high, but certainly a recognizable name. But why have him basically in the background of a couple of scenes? Just very curious, don't you think? It's it's strange. Well, you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is from 2013, which I believe is um, uh, we're not in peak Eric Roberts sort of cost. So they've already got a few recognizable people on the show on other episodes. It looked like they also had some recognizable people. So my guess is somebody knows someone where they're getting folks who like. I don't know. The, the idea is probably that p- these are people that parents might care about if they're watching it with their kid. Right. And it's, it's not a huge investment. They're not they're not going out and getting George Clooney for the shit, you know, right, right. <laughs> which which would have been pretty great. But no, you're right. That does bring us to the question, the central theme of this entire show. LB, starting with you, is Eric mm-hmm. Roberts the fucking man in this episode of Dead Time Stories called The Little Magic Shop of Horrors? Sure. So much enthusiasm, which I really appreciate. <laughs> it's an no, affirmative. I, yeah, I mean, he's fine. You know, like, he, he does his job. He's, you know, I think it's more utilitarian, really. Wait, is that the, the word? Yeah, sure. He's a utilitarian fucking man. I get it. Uh, Liam, over to you. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this episode? Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. Um, I, I, I He doesn't... He doesn't it's it's again we're given such a sliver of him. Right. It's Absolutely. hard to it's hard to evaluate. But he doesn't embarrass himself. He doesn't appear to be high. Uh, <laughs> he is very much uh, can do the game show host thing. Um, and it is to be fair a weird way to end the episode. And I yeah. kind of appreciate yeah. that. That's the part that he plays is this weird sort of like. Um, the 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 knockoff children's version of M Night Shyamalan ending to this to this episode. I like how he doesn't seem to be thrown at all by the fact that his uh, American Gladiators knockoff television program features what appears to be a seventy year old woman appearing as a contestant. <laughs> he just he just rolls with the punches, and I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, Eric Roberts is the fucking man here. As Liam said, the only thing that you really need to do to not uh, to 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 be the fucking man in this episode is to not embarrass yourself, which is the standard that Liam and I are going to try to reach when we, of course, talk. <laughs> to Eric Roberts in just over a week. <laughs> and fall short of. <laughs> and fall short of. But we we cannot pretend to be the fucking men. There's only one fucking man, and that's Eric Roberts, mm-hmm. who is the fucking man in this episode of Dead Time Stories. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to talk about a full-length feature, which has so much Eric Roberts. It's packed to the gills <laughs> with some Eric Roberts content. It's 2013's Lovelace, and we'll talk about it just after this. I don't need my mother. Just my hand while I come to the 
The story of Linda Lovelace, who was used and abused by the porn industry at the behest of her coercive husband before taking control of her life. It's 2013's Lovelace, directed by Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman. Uh, Rob Epstein was one of the directors of The Times of Harvey Milk, the, the famous documentary, and him and Jeffrey Friedman also uh, co-directed The Celluloid Closet and uh, the film Howl uh, a few oh. years ago with uh, James Franco, who also appears... In 2013's Lovelace, as the recently departed Hugh Hefner. Uh, this is actually a, a bit of a, a all-star cast here in 2013's Lovelace. A lot of uh, familiar mm-hmm. faces uh, doing work um, eh, it's pretty much in their wheelhouse, I would say. Uh, I want to start, actually, with you, Liam. How familiar were you with the story of Linda Lovelace uh, before you watched the movie? Uh, I don't know, actually. I mean, I, I had a vague idea of what Deep Throat was and how, in a sense, it was important for the culture. And I had a vague idea that she didn't feel too great about how that all went down. Um, But the details of her husband, Chuck, and how some of those things happened, I mean, to be fair, I'm getting this as a combo of the movie and the Wikipedia page. So um, past that, I don't really know much. I, I read a book a few years ago uh, by Legs McNeil called The Other Hollywood. It was a oral history of the porno industry in its early years, and it covers a lot of the territory uh, featured in Lovelace. So I, I had a pretty strong idea of sort of the, the skeletal outline of the story. I will say that my understanding is that there's some, as a lot of these biopics <laughs> often do, <laughs> they they... A lot of it is kind of compressed and, uh, you know, they combine many characters into a single character and that sort of thing. But, uh, but you know, I guess the broad strokes are accurate as far as I know. Uh, LB, did you have any familiarity with this story going in? Um, I mean, just the, the basic beats, really. That's not a pun. <laughs> I get, yeah. That's fine. So so just the just the just the basic beats. So but you knew who <laughs> yeah. Linda Lovelace was. You had an idea well, yeah, what of Deep Throat was, that sort of thing. Well, of course. Well, I okay. So I, I've debated whether I should tell this story, but I think Please. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was a youngster, I would say preteens, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had this habit of going through my dad's stuff, and uh, sure. one day I I found his uh, porn collection. Now my dad always had a subscription to playboy and right. it was it was known in our household okay so it wasn't like some like you know dirty little secret or anything however his pornography videos uh-huh were not so well known and i ended up finding them in his closet one day because i'm a little snoop uh-huh and uh so i put in the tape and i i, I watched deep throat and uh, I was, I was, uh, I, I guess I enjoyed it. I, I don't know. Sure. Really. But so, so I, I have a familiarity with that. I'll say. But, Liam, ha- um, Liam, have you seen the film Deep Throat? I don't think I have. I, I mean, I think I've seen like stills from it, or maybe a clipper he- here or two, but I've never sat down and watched Deep Throat. It's, it's, it's not a, a good movie. <laughs> That's it's my not, understanding. I, I, I've never seen it either, so it's interesting that our guest is the, the only one of the three of us who have actually <laughs> watched it. 
I, yeah, true. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, okay. So the the clips that they show in Lovelace, I mean, it's obviously really corny dialogue, right? right but I mean, right. that's 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 porn. Um, I mean, it's it's important to the, to the the history of pornography, but you know, it's no Devil and Miss Jones, really. I mean, that that movie was actually a lot more interesting and existential than Deep Throat, but sure. you know. Eh. What can you do? According to – one of the difficulties I have with this movie is that it doesn't really get across what made Linda Lovelace special enough to (laughs) to be a a kind of a major, at one point, mainstream star. Uh, Sorry, my wife is gesturing at me as if I'm saying something crazy. What? She can deep throw the cop. Yeah, no, I'm getting to the fact (laughs) – I think that was pretty clear. That was but, I mean, special. look, her deep throat ability, uh, as impressive as it is, you know, t- to me, it's th- the idea of transferring from being able to do that to literally, you know, being mentioned on The Tonight Show and uh, later having a, uh, uh, a film where she didn't actually have to participate in pornography at all. I mean, she became a mainstream celebrity because of the success mm-hmm. of Deep Throat. It, it's just that jump, it, it's hard to get across in the movie or hard to kind of uh, interpret from the movie. What made her so appealing to mainstream America outside of the idea that she, I guess she looked more like the traditional girl next door? Is that what you got from it, Liam? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, they don't – the movie seems to be focused more on her experience, but mm-hmm. in this weird way where the first run-through is a – glossing of that experience and then the second is the revealing of the pain of that experience it's a strange thing because yeah you're absolutely right i think it the 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 movie doesn't gloss over the painful part her regrets about being part of that industry afterwards uh and i know that there's a lot of controversy regarding her feelings on that and whether she was Mm -hmm. manipulated into a lot of things that she said but you know for in, in the context of this movie it's played fairly straight but it also there's a slight, something slightly exploitative about the idea that all these guys are like, oh, she's nothing special, and then they show her deep. Th- well, they don't show it, but they suggest that they're seeing her deep throat, and they're like, hey, there's something amazing going on here. We got to make some money off of this gal. And it, I just feel like the movie kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too. It's also a movie that hey now, <laughs> it's also a movie that uh, exists in the shadow of Boogie Nights, which tells. A, I wouldn't say a similar type of story, though it does kind of have the ups and downs of someone entering the porno industry in the 1970s. Uh, but it, 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 because it has a similar kind of uh, similar subject matter at a similar time period, it's hard not to compare it. I haven't really asked for your thoughts on the movie as a whole. Starting with our guest, Elby, did you mm-hmm. enjoy Lovelace? You know, I really did. I, I found it very compelling, um, and it made me want to learn more about uh, Linda's life. Uh, so, you know, I'd really love to read her, her books. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're out there. And, and, and like I said, that, uh, that oral history, uh, no pun intended, uh, of the porno industry also gives a, a pretty interesting, um, kind of multiple perspectives on this right. sort of time period. Liam, did you have a, a good time with Lovelace? It was fine. I mean, <sighs> It's technically proficient, and I act, I have a weird – well, so I have this weird thing with this kind of biopic. And by this kind, I don't mean porn-related. I just mean like well-done biopic that I don't particularly care about that much. Sure. I find them eminently watchable, but 
I don't feel good after watching it in the sense of like, oh, that was enriching. They're just they're just on. I don't know. I guess this is how some people feel about action movies or comic book movies, which I actually do emotionally care about more. Um, And in this particular case, I this reflects my complicated feelings around pornography, which is like Mm -hmm. um, in theory, I don't mind it. In practice, it be and I would argue because of capitalism tends to always mm-hmm. be bad. And sure, and yeah. I guess in modern cases there are you know companies run by performers who are more positive. Like so, I'm willing to say that this isn't an absolute. But at least historically, there's a lot of abuse and drugs mm-hmm. and people who feel mm-hmm. bad about themselves. Uh, in a similar way. In theory, I like the idea of this film that we're going to show you the positive side first and then we'll reveal the negative and it's the dichotomy of Deep Throat and blah, 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 blah. But it does come – the way they tell the story is a little exploitative like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, she sucks the dick real deep. So therefore, that's why she was famous. And I think Deep Throat is a little bit more than that. Plus, it doesn't allow for – the possibility i mean we're sort of putting a complicated scenario here which is like that i need to evaluate her truthfulness as well with her feelings on pornography and and i don't think that's fair because i am more than willing to believe all of her claims about truck chuck trainer without Mm -hmm. buying into her feelings that i mean because when she wrote the book, her crusade wasn't just against domestic violence, though it was, and I really mm. appreciate that. Sure. It was also that porn is, all porn is bad. That was yeah. her mm-hmm. opinion at the time. And right. I, I'm not willing to get on that. And, and I don't like that the <laughs> film doesn't allow that ambiguity to come across, but it does allow this other creepier thing, which is like, Deep Throat was important, but it was hard for her. And I'm like, well... I guess, but you don't really say why. I mean, I kind of feel like you did a little bit, Doug, which is that there's no real conversation about why Deep Throat mattered, which I think is not about the quality of the movie, but about the social situation, which we don't really see. We see more her story, which feels very simplified. And I don't know, again, eminently watchable with some with a few strong performances and a movie in which Hugh Hefner feels like a creep. Which is great. <laughs> Anything where he looks bad, yeah. I'm into. Yeah, that dude totally. sucked, uh, sucked in life, and now s- continues to suck in death. So it, I have no, <laughs> I have no good feelings about that guy whatsoever. It, it reminded me. I still so, feel like the movie doesn't do the doesn't do its service. It reminded me a little bit of a movie that we've covered on this uh, show as well, Liam, which was uh, the Abby Hoffman bio steal this movie. Which mm. while watching it, it made me think. Well, you know, this this is an interesting story. But seeing it dramatized like this makes me want to either read a book about it, like LB mentioned, or watch right. a watch a quality documentary about the same subject matter. And in fact, there was a Linda Lovelace documentary that came out a couple mm-hmm. of years before this movie. And it's it's like, well, something that that would feel like it's 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 covering all of the bases that it's not trying to skip over a lot of material, or if it's going to focus on one thing, that it just focuses on that one thing. They try to do a reveal in this movie that Linda Lovelace was being abused by Chuck Trainer, her her husband. But it's not a, it's not a surprise by the time we get to it. We know that it's happening. Mm-hmm. But then they try to present it as if all those things that were happening in the past, like they 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 tell a fairly straightforward chronological story. Then it jumps mm-hmm. ahead, 
And then it jumps back to a lot of things right. we've already seen to show kind of a wider context. But I don't think it really works because, of course, she was being abused. Now, I, I don't hold it against the movie that the timeline doesn't necessarily jive with reality. But it does seem to suggest, like, Chuck Trainer got her into pornography – and then her first role was Deep Throat, which, of course, wasn't how that worked out in no, real life. No, that wasn't it at all. There, there's a lot of uh, apparently factually inaccurate things about the beginning of this film. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because it starts in 1970. And, uh, I mean, look, I, I, we're not going to dance around this, but she did some some loops uh, early in her career. Right, uh, Short right. scenes. She fucked a dog. She did fuck a dog. Uh, mm-hmm. And she and there was like a golden shower type one. I mean, look uh, – she obviously had a very abusive, horrific relationship with her husband, and uh, and you can see after going through a lot of trauma how how she could you know that later of course she would be very uh, uh, negative regarding the industry as a whole, yeah. uh, and very understandably so. But I feel like the movie is both exploitative, but also doesn't go far enough in regards to what is so hateable about the industry because it doesn't make it look like the industry is bad but at the end of the movie she kind of is getting to that point and maybe it's not like you said Lee. maybe the industry as a whole isn't it just has a lot of scummy people in it mm-hmm. but it's also it's hard you know it, it when they just to give an example so we have harry reams the porn actor in this movie played by uh adam brody mm-hmm. and he's presented as like a super nice guy uh and and kind of comforting and and kind of funny um and and so you see on the periphery that there's these people who are just like, you know, almost like in Boogie Nights where you have a kind of kind of fun, interesting, good people, a real mix. But, but you know, Linda Lovelace later in her career kind of suggested that everybody was tainted by this industry as a whole. So I feel like we're kind of only getting a surface level of what her, she felt in her life or what her life was as a whole. And they try to put this mm-hmm. kind of relationship with her parents' story right at the center of it. Uh, her parents in this movie are played by Robert Patrick and Sharon Stone. Um, and I th- felt like Sharon Stone was kind of uh, uh, aiming for the fences as the uh, mm. cold, distant mother who does not provide comfort for her daughter when she's trying to get away from an abusive relationship. What were some of the performances that you most enjoyed in this, Liam? Um, well, I kind of always love Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> every time he's in anything, he's great. Um, hey, Gazzari was okay. You know, he's fine. Um, I don't know the name of the older financier scumbag dude. Oh, it's Chris Noth. Yeah, Chris yeah. Noth from, of course, Mr. Was he Mr. Big on Sex in the City? Yes, yes, he right, was. And right, of course, right, from right. Law and Order, Liam, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you're very familiar with. No, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the thing about his, his character was interesting because um, – I don't know. Kind of like we said, what you said, Doug, is like we get a sense that he wants access to Linda to make money, but then they kind of set him up as not a hero, but sort of like a necessary evil role. But I, you know, either the whole thing is messed up or it's not. And I don't know. Anyways, there are aspects of the movie trying to be this like reveal of one thing while also profiting off that thing that kind of bummed me mm-hmm. out a little bit yeah right. but his but his performance was good in that role like i felt like he really had something there and i guess uh scars as chuck is really good it just is hard to say it's really good when it's so uncomfortable he's mm-hmm. a really good actor but i find him 
the way he looks to be so bland <laughs> that I that, that for some reason I can never take him too seriously in almost any performance. Also, he looked just enough like Tom Jane in Boogie Nights in this movie that I I kept wanting that character in this movie instead because he's kind of playing a similar character too. LB, was there any performances here that stuck out to you? I really enjoy everything that Juno Temple does. Sure. And I I I want her to be my best friend. <laughs> She she was trying to help out old Linda Lovelace in this. She was. I, I I think that maybe her friend was a little underutilized. But I mean, th- th- that's certainly there's a few actors in this that I think are fairly underutilized. Even an actor who I don't care for at all, which is Wes Bentley, he's in this movie mm. and has almost nothing at all to do. Uh, f- fucking uh, Chloe Sevigny shows up literally for a one second. Oh, appearance. that's right. Very I very confusing. All about that. Uh, and I I think, feel like we need to give some credit to Amanda Seyfried as Linda Lovelace. I think she mm-hmm. she doesn't really look like her. I mean, I know what Linda Lovelace looks like, and she doesn't really, even with the hair, doesn't really look right. like her. But I think she does a really good job here as uh, both showing the strength of that uh, real-life person and also the vulnerability um, and making her seem like a three-dimensional person without being a victim all the time. Um, and so, you know, there's, I, I feel like it's a performance sort of worthy of a movie that maybe is a little bit better. Um, but that does bring us to Eric Roberts. Yes. Uh, LB, who does Eric Roberts play in this movie? Uh, he is the person administering the lie detector test that Linda takes in uh, preparation for her book that's coming out. The publisher wants her to take a lie detector test so that she has credibility. Yeah, they they wanted to take a lie detector test because we all know that lie detector tests are infallible. Uh, yes. But <laughs> but uh, Eric Roberts does show up for I guess two scenes in the movie. Uh, they they jump ahead at one point, then they jump back, and then they jump back to him again. And yeah, he is uh, he's administer uh, administering a lie detector test. Uh, Liam, did you expect more Eric Roberts out of this movie? Slightly more. <laughs> it, it, it again, we already talked about that. A few of these roles are very. I'm mean, actually. Pretty much all of the supporting roles are only a couple of scenes uh, outside of Peter Sarsgaard's part. Um, so I, I guess I was expecting it to maybe to be a little bit more meaty. Uh, again, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but that's that's just what he is. I get the impression, and Liam, you might not know much about this because I know you haven't seen Star 80 before. I have a feeling that his appearance in this movie is sort of a little play, a little poke at his his role in Star 80, which again is one of his more famous performances, because in that movie he's playing a very similar character to Chuck Trainer in this, even though he's also based on a real life person in Star 80, um, where very manipulative and forcing someone into uh, sort of a, a, a in that case softcore porno- pornographic industry. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I was expecting Eric Roberts to have maybe a more substantial part than mm-hmm. we end up seeing. Liam, what did you think of him here? He is fine. <laughs> but, Liam, did, you, did you know that you're the co-host of an Eric Roberts podcast? I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to formulate the okay. These two go together well. These two films are not two films, film and TV show. In that for this show because <laughs> there's so little Eric Roberts that right. it's like examples of just his cameo work. But it's hard to put your my finger on why. The show, which I fucking hated, 
<laughs> I still felt like he had more charisma, whereas in this, he's just sort of like, all right, let's start the polygraph. It's like any any jagoff could have done that. Like really? any, I did not feel anything about that performance, and it's fine. It's not bad. Again, th- we've seen some poor Eric Roberts performances, and this is not that. But I didn't care about it at all. Wow, I had the exact opposite reaction. Well, let's wow. hear. It. I want to. Wow. I want to hear your thoughts, Elby. Well, I thought that he showed a lot of compassion towards her, which is something that I I understand that lie detector test administrators are not supposed to do. (laughs) So I um, thought that he was like being very comforting to her, which is which is strange. But wow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call that a flat performance or anything at all. I really, really believed him as this person. It's. I mean, he's playing a real person here. Uh, I guess his name yeah. was N- Natale Lorendi. Um, and he was, he was, I guess, one of the more renowned lie detector experts of that time period. Oh. Uh, yeah, and a, he was a New York criminal investigator. He passed away back in 1999. Um, and, and, I mean, it's not like he's trying to do an impression or anything here. But I think that he <laughs> does have a certain amount of sympathetic gravitas that he brings to his brief role here, uh, I'm a little surprised, actually, Liam, that you that you thought that uh, that that he was kind of sort of weak. I guess I should say it just doesn't. It didn't feel like there was much for him to do, right? And I just didn't really care about it. At least with the other performance, th- there's a little bit of like I don't know something there. I I, I don't know maybe um, maybe I'm not giving him his due, but I guess it's also <laughs> affected by. The fact that there's a million recognizable faces in this movie and some of them get to do a lot more than he does. And I care about their performance in a way that I don't know. This just felt like you're right. It probably is a nod towards Star 80, but it felt like a waste of Eric Roberts for me. Right. Well, I, I think that's fair enough. But that does bring us to really the climactic moment of this episode, which is where I ask our guest first, Elby. Yes. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2013's Lovelace? I believe he is, Doug. All right. Well, that's very that's comforting to hear. You're being comforting to me, like he was comforting to Linda Lovelace in that one scene. Liam, I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say on this subject. I don't I don't think I could deny him his status as the man because this is not a poor performance. It's just not one that I particularly cared about. But he's just inherently the man. He in, in order for him to lose it, he has to do something particularly bad. It has to be a, a particularly poor performance. Now, it seemed like the measure you were using in the Dead Time Stories episode was that he did not embarrass himself. Is that is that the case here? Did he embarrass himself in Lovelace? Not at all. Not at all. It's not that. It's just I was hoping for a little more from him. You know, this wasn't while while he's still the man, this is not a stellar Eric Roberts performance. All right. Well, that's it's not a top one. And again, I think it is sort of a stunt casting because of the Star 80 connection. But I'm going to say that uh, it's always a joy to see Eric Roberts. Uh, and, and in the context of Linda Lovelace's life, the the. Even though the performance isn't much in the movie, he was an important character for that part of her life, or important important person Nat Lorendi was. So uh, I'm going to give the Eric Roberts the all important fucking man thumbs up thumbs up of approval. That's what I'm going to say. That Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2013's 
Lovelace. And in fact, this, despite his small appearances in the two projects today, that's two fucking mans. Liam, are you excited about that? Woohoo! Woohoo! We're going to take our final break. When we return, we're going to uh, chat briefly with LB. Uh, we're going to find out where you can find her podcast, and we're going to say goodnight. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Stardust Hotel brings you the excitement of the piano, the voices, the internationally famous sights and sounds of Esquivel. And that was episode number 61 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to our guest, LB Bargeron, for taking time out of her very busy podcasting and copy editing and tweeting (laughs) and various other things scheduled to talk to us about two Eric Roberts classic uh, performances. Yeah, 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 yeah. I worry, LB, that you didn't really get the whole... Eric Roberts treatment with the combined total of maybe what four minutes of Eric Roberts maybe not even that total with these two projects but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us where can people find you on the internet well uh, first of all you can go to www.ouchmyego.com um, that is where Vincent Price's laugh is is hosted uh, plus you know I do some local interviews and music reviews there from time to time uh, local to the Rio Grande Valley of, of Texas. Is that where you are right now in Texas? Yes. I'm okay. in, I am uh, about 10 minutes from Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah, we are at the opposite ends of the world, you and I, or opposite <laughs> ends of the uh, what, latitudes, longitudes. I don't know. I don't know, man. We're far away is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about your I'm ba- other podcast? I'm basically in Mexico. Okay. Um, my other podcast is uh, hosted by the Cinepunks. Uh, Got Me a Movie is the name of that. Uh, you can find that at www.cinepunks.com. Something I guess Liam knows a little bit about. I don't know. Oh, we've had a string of Cinepunks-themed guests on recently. Also, I, I feel I regret not having said, Donde Esta... Got me a movie podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a jerk I am. Where, where, is yeah, there any other? Jerk. Yeah. You're also on Twitter, isn't this correct? Yes. I, I do have a Twitter. Um, my name yeah. is. <laughs> Are you okay over there, Liam? That was just funny. I do have a Twitter. <laughs> well, where is it? Where? What is this Twitter? Uh, it's at Ghoulie School, like Ghoulie, like the movies, like Ghoulies, the movies, uh, mm-hmm. but Ghoulie School Ghoulie is School. my name. On Twitter. On Twitter. At yes. Ghoulie School, we'll, of course, link that in the uh, in the show notes as well. Elby, is there anything else out there that you want to promote before we, we move on? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't really I don't really do much other than than that stuff. You know, I have a normal life too. So, well, tell us about that. 
Uh, I do payroll for a home health care agency. It's very exciting. <laughs> well, the way you describe it makes it sound fascinating. But unfortunately, we're running out of time. Uh, Liam, <laughs> <laughs> moving over to you, Liam. What's going on in the world of Cinepunks that doesn't involve Got Me a Movie? Oh, we just added a new podcast, Small Screen Cinema, uh, featuring uh, James Nareth and um, uh, Joe Yannick. And is that uh, TV movies? Yeah, all TV, all TV. No TV movies. Yeah. <laughs> did Did you think that I said TV? No, I said TV. Tuberculosis yeah. themed movies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so wake up, great. Liam! Liam, uh, wake the fuck up! I am so done. I'm we're, so tired. We're almost done. Just, just power through, bro. I'm trying here. Cinepunks.com. Just, just go to Cinepunks. Just go there. Just please go. Just please go to Cinepunks. All right. I'll let me let me take over. You can find Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules, R U L Z, all one word. And of course, yeah, go over to Cinepunks and also search for it on Facebook as well. You can find me, Doug Tilly, on Twitter as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. You can, of course, find Eric Roberts is the fucking man over at Eric Roberts is the man dot com as well as on Twitter at E R I T F M. Hey, it's back on iTunes. Just look up Eric Roberts is the man on that. But in your mind, fit in that word fucking. We just can't put it <laughs> in there. You can find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com or at uh, on Twitter at NoBudgetPodcast, all one word. But that's it. Liam, LB, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedules. Yeah. We need to close the Eric Roberts Yay. bag once again. We'll be back in just a couple of weeks talking to the man himself live in front of a studio audience. Whoa. <laughs> Will you please tell him I say hello? We're going to stop the, the podcast cold to tell him that LB says hello. Eric Roberts, LB says hello. I'm sure you're listening right now anyway. <laughs> Uh, in in just a couple of weeks, we are going to have an episode featuring. I feel like we haven't given this enough build up, Liam. I know you're very exhausted right now, but Eric Roberts is on the next episode of this podcast. Yeah, I'm very, we've given it lots of we've given it lots of build up, have we? Yeah. By the on way, the I, ne- I, by the way, this is the first screen, I've heard of it. Yeah. Small Scream Cinema is is James McCormick. I I got that wrong. My bad. Holy shit! Is that what you've been? <laughs> agonizing over for the last couple of minutes yeah i said james norath and i'm like wait no that's the guy from vinegar syndrome well let me here's, <laughs> let me just tell you something liam no one gives a fuck nobody oh my god you know what doug uh-huh people care about you know what people us. care about eric okay. roberts is going to be on the next episode of this podcast eric roberts the actor wait eric roberts is coming on on the next episode of eric roberts i thought fucking- you meant eric roberts like an impersonator Whoa. Yeah. Lyric no. Loberts. Lyric. <laughs> Liam, go to bed. LB, have a I fine was so rest of the evening. I'm so excited to meet Lyric Loberts. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> this it is could be. I love this. We're going to be featuring Eric Roberts on the next episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. It could be the very last episode of the podcast. If you want to know if that's the case or not, you're going to have to listen in and see. Uh, if you don't, if you don't end up with a podcast featuring Eric Roberts, things went very, very badly, <laughs> and we probably will not be returning. So uh, this is either good night or goodbye, fair listeners. So everyone, it is say definitely good luck. Good luck. Good luck, everybody, and good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. 
Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.